In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. Did I say Beyonce was not good enough for me? See, you were putting you words say, in my mouth. I didn't say no, she didn't wasn't say that good enough for me. I said she's not. I said she's not for me. It's lots of stuff that's not for me. Yeah, Nicki Minaj. Bruce Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen, not for me. You don't like Bruce Springsteen? I don't, and I want to like Bruce Springsteen. I I liked. I know you did not just say <laughs> that Bruce Springsteen has bars. I, I, I think he's. Who sings that song? You would know this. Who sings that song? It's out. Now, it's out now. Where um, you give me wild thoughts. Oh, it's Rihanna. I mean, that's Rihanna. It's Rihanna, right? I kind of like that song. Good for you. It is, but I kind of, I kind of, I kind of dig the vibe of it. Well, I mean, I mean, of course, the original is all that. But I mean, but I mean, why redo the police song? Yet the Puffy made a made a don't, killing off of that. Don't, don't, don't do that. Well, he did. Bring that. Yes, and, he did. And then Sting actually joined him on stage. Remember that? Can you imagine the check that he must have written Sting for Sting to show up? It's just as big as the check that um, Mary J. Blige wrote Elton John. Exactly. Remember of course, you know Elton John probably likes Mary J. Blige. Everybody likes Mary J. Everybody Blige. Everybody Mary. See, Never mind. We, All right. We yeah, could yeah. go on Beyonce. Like, see, see, Not, no, this is the big, no, this is the no, no, we can't go on Beyonce. The men and everyone associated with the Michelle mission enjoys the work of Beyonce. Had them fools coming out after us. Oh, you don't be scared, man. Damn cold. You always see, you always get politically correct when the mic's I'm are just on. Saying, you know why? I ain't trying to deal with them Beyonce people. What are you scared of Beyonce people for? They're, they're like very a- rational um, fans. <laughs> <laughs> they are okay. All right, you about to get our Twitter shut down. <laughs> you ain't gonna have no Facebook. <laughs> What'd you call her, Beyonce bot? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Michelle Mission. One podcast, two men, every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Triple. And as always, I am joined by my partner. Hey, hey, this is Vincent Williams of It's All Soul. Wednesdays, 8 to 10 on GTownRadio.com. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are kicking off school days. Yes, multiple days in celebration of Spike Lee's musical comedic drama it's a whole lot it's a gumbo it's a gumbo gumbo. it is it is a gumbo it's a smorgasbord of goodness called school days from 1988 starring Lawrence Fishburne uh, Giancarlo Esposito Mm. Tisha Campbell Tisha Campbell Spike Lee 
Spike Lee. Bill Nunn. Bill Nunn. Un- and in a very small yet luminous cameo <laughs> position, we have one Jasmine Guy. Yeah, yes. Oh, that's funny. I thought you were going to say Samuel Jackson. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jasmine Guy's in this. Yes. Oh, yes. And Samuel Jackson. And because Samuel Jackson. there is proof positive that ja- Samuel Jackson may literally be in every single black movie. <laughs> Since 1985. Uh, but first, as always, we like to go into the feedback that we have gotten uh, from each and every one of our fans that has emailed us at Mission at gmail.com or likes and follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at Mission. Uh, we got an email. We did last week. We did not do a review. We did. Um, put out the binge lounge. Yes. It was episode four of the binge lounge. Yes. Yes. Where we talked about the beguiled. We talked about um, uh, we the talked, conversation, the conversation. We yeah. talked about the career of Will Smith, Will Smith, among other things. We heard from the six million dollar triple himself. Steve All right. Tozen. Hey, Steve. He wrote us to say the focus movie reviews on the Michelle mission are fantastic. Thank you. But the free form discussion on the binge lounge is a welcome change of pace. I have questions though. Uh oh. Why does the Dark Knight need to be edited? What was Lynn's original response to the movie <laughs> when it came out? Oh. Lynn? Well, we'll take these questions one at a time. One at a time. The Dark Knight needs to be edited because it may be the singular movie that has as many, if not more, endings than The Lord of the Rings Return of the King. Interesting. Um, I felt that the movie was like um, just a, way too long a little bit too bloated and because there was so much story in there there's proof positive that I think Christopher Nolan lost his lost track of the story a little bit um, a famous example that everybody likes to point out is that when the Joker breaks into that party right and then grabs up uh, Vicky Vicky Vale is it not Vicky Vale um, Rachel Rachel yeah grabs up Rachel and throws her out the window yeah Batman goes jumping out at, after her what happened to the Joker? Right. Nobody knows. Right. Now, now you're assuming the Joker left, but the Joker in that movie doesn't necessarily leave without taking doing something out, else. Doing something else. Right. Making you know an ice I mean? cream cone or something. Right. You know, so, but you don't know. Right. Um, and there's other things uh, along the lines in that movie. Plus, while I think that the whole setup for uh, Two-Face is well done, it's certainly not you know, it it strays uh, very afar from the the comic book origin of Two Face. Sure, um, but I think it still holds up. Okay, very good. Um, especially the way that it kind of does blend into the Joker's story, and I appreciated that. I appreciated that actually a great deal in there. I think that character was enough to support. The third film. Isn't that always the argument about these movies and specifically the Batman movies? Like they overstuff them with villains in particular? I don't know if that's always the case because while there technically was two villains in Batman Begins right, um, with Scarecrow and Ra's al Ghul, I think the story was tight enough that 
it didn't feel overstuffed. Okay. You know, um, but with with this, with the Dark Knight, maybe overstuffed is not the right word. Just that it was too, like a little bit too much plot, and they could have like pushed that on to the third story. And plus, I think that Aaron Eckhart actually did a. a well enough of performance yeah. in that movie that he deserved to be the, like literally like the co-lead right, right, in the right. third film. Um, so that's my problem with The Dark Knight. My right. thoughts of, of the movie when it was originally released were that I liked it. It felt crazy long. Right, right. And it was along those same same uh same what i i certainly did get lost in the performance of the joker okay you know, Hugh, um heath ledger's joker like everyone else like I everybody did get lost in that and i and i and i have an, an appreciation for christian bale um and what well, you know and there's you know there's like a master's class of acting in that movie with morgan freeman and michael sure, kane and sure. everything like that and um uh uh um, Maggie Gyllenhaal is a is a step above, you know, who was played Rachel in the first movie. Yes, so True. I certainly enjoyed it on that level. But I, my thoughts actually were still the same, and okay. it never changed. Asked and answered. There you go. His second question. Ooh, another question from Steve Tozen. When will Vince do a comic book deep dive, starting with Christopher Priest's Black Panther run? Um, oh. Starting with the client, this needs to be a show itself. I, I, we, I guess we have to figure out when to, maybe we do as we get close to the Black Panther. We can do a binge lounge. There you go. I mean, you talking about a deep dive with the client, like how deep you want to go? Yeah, how deep you want to go? Me and Lincoln do Don McGregor. Oh wow, that's really deep. You know, that's that's real deep. You know, I could maybe even do some Jack Kirby. I was I was about to say we can do the we can do jungle action. What you know about jungle action? Don't go look it up. And the frogs. Oh God, yeah. No. yeah don't, don't do that to yourself. Yeah, we we go deep as you want. Don't do that to yourself. Uh, can you guys just do a once or twice a year uncensored cow killing? <laughs> uh, the murdering of sacred cows by two intel- intelligent brothers is glorious. <laughs> I preferred weekly, but we must not be distracted yes. from the mission. From the mission. There you go. Well, I did like the cow. Hey, man. We may have to do it. If you got story. beef thought, <laughs> we may have to do <laughs> If you got beef thought. His last question from Steve Tozer. Or as Pepper would say, if you got beef, I'll be your butcher. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Don't put Pepper in my mind, bro. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, the last question from Steve uh, and uh, is, what, what are the two of you looking forward to more? Star Trek Discovery or the Orville? I don't know what the Orville is. What's the Orville? Is that a movie? It sounds like it must be a like movie or ITV series or something. Let's and now I up. can't remember what it is. Well, I'm, I'm going to look it up and see and see what it says. Oh, the, the Orville, Orville is Seth MacFarlane's um, yes, his spoof of Star Trek. Uh, oh yes, it's an upcoming comedy drama yeah. science fiction television series. You want to answer first, or no? You can answer. I'm looking forward to Discovery. I think a little Seth MacFarlane goes a long way. I agree. Also, think he goes a little broad, and he's got a little broad, and he's got a little bully in him. 
Yes. He's got a little bully in him. Mm, he does. So, so you know. Yeah, I, I'm not a big Seth MacFarlane fan. Seth MacFarlane, well, to answer your question, I'm looking forward to the disco- yeah. discovery as well. Look, um, I, I've come along to the frame of mind of a lot of people, including uh, Kennedy, a.k.a. Stormtrooper of the of the Black Tribbles, um, that I do feel that they're playing it safe by going back in time as, a, absolutely. as opposed to continuing forward. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but that being said, I'm, I'm still right. interested in that. But Seth, McFar- Seth MacFarlane, Seth MacFarlane is to TV production to me like uh, Sean Puffy Combs. I don't like Sean Puffy Combs. I don't. Right. I, didn't, I didn't like P Diddy. I didn't like Puff Daddy. I ain't like Puff. I ain't like singularly Puff. responsible for dumbing down hip hop. Yes. Like if you point to one person, yes, it's him. I, I do not like him. I don't. Th- I. I can't say that he's not talented, but I don't think he's as talented as he's made out to be. I think he's certainly he's rolled the back he, of some he, talent. He's a hustler. But that's what I was going to say. He's a hustler. The one thing I cannot knock the brother, and I will never knock the brother, and actually I've used it as kind of like a, you know, some wind beneath my wings every once in a while, is his hustle. Right. I won't knock him for that. Um, that the brother, sometimes when we're asleep, he is still working on something. Yeah. He might be, you know, having somebody else push the button. Yeah. But he's working on something. Yeah, absolutely. So I won't knock his hustle. And that's what Seth MacFarlane. I don't think, like you say, he goes a little bit too abroad, takes the easy way out with some of some of his jokes. Proof, proof positive, if anyone watches uh, from last year, when they did the crossover of The Simpsons and Family, Family Guy, Guy, the Simpsons producers did one half, Seth MacFarlane did the other half. Both of them are both halves are kind of funny, but there certainly is an intelligence sure. on one side that is not apparent in the other. Um, but I can't knock the man's hustle. He right. got fam- Family Guy got canceled, and he brought it back. Yeah, you know, um, he did put for whatever. Say what you want, he. Did the Cleveland show? Yeah. I don't. I'm sure nobody was beating down his door to make a Cleveland show. Sure, but he made a Cleveland show. You know, somehow American Dads is still on TV. So I can't knock the man's hustle. He's he's, he's parlayed that into uh, winning um, uh, records as well as movies. Yeah. yeah. So you know, I don't think the movies were all that great. But you got I actually done. enjoy Ted. No, Ted wasn't. Ted I wasn't actually bad. enjoyed. I was actually Ted. thinking of the cowboy movie, How to A Million Ways to Die in the West. Yeah, well, yeah, no. that was garbage. And and I'll say this: something that that you just alluded to with Kennedy about them going backwards because it's safe. I, I mean, I hate to just say it like this. It's sort of follow up to our Star Trek conversation a few months ago. I think at this point, it's just Star Trek fan fiction. Like all of it is just Star Trek fan fiction mm. because it's worth too much money like no one is going to do anything sort of risky right that makes star trek star trek to my mind like what makes star trek stand out from like lost in space or you know any of the other sort of um science fiction show you know i don't know like time tunnel yeah yeah like those risk that you kind of talk about star trek in the same breath as you talk about like the twilight zone that's gone that's dead like that's never ever coming back so you're gonna get 
you know, this. You're going to get fan fiction and you're going to get Seth MacFarlane fan fiction. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to go with Discovery. Um, we got another email from Aaron Fry. Okay. Hey, Aaron. This this might take this show a, a place that it, <laughs> it didn't need to go. Oh, okay. Uh, hey, guys. I just read that your favorite, Tyler Perry. Yes. Is going yeah. to play Oscar Michaud. Yeah. I for an HBO yeah. movie. And it's right. Reading from Variety, HBO is developing a biopic of pioneering African-American filmmaker Oscar Micheaux. I saw that. That has Tyler Perry on board to star. Craig Zayden and Neil Mar- Moran are shepherding the project for Sony Pictures TV through their Storyline Entertainment banner. Tyler Perry is set to executive produce. There it is. But, not, but does not plan to direct. Right. I saw that. His movie is going to be based on a 2007 biography, Oscar Micheaux, The Great and Only, The Life of America's First Black Filmmaker by film historian Patrick McGilligan. Yes. This is what I'll say about that. And this is something that's actually relevant to our conversation tonight okay. with, with Spike Lee being in school days. And I know Spike Lee is on record for a few of his films and, and certainly um Certainly, I've heard him talk about something like Girl 6, like mm-hmm. once you get to Girl 6, where he talks about getting financing. And a lot of the financing was contingent on his appearing in the films. Yeah. Because he had become, you know, this this kind of person. Like he was actually. He's a, a personality. Pop. He's a personality. And I suspect that Tyler Perry, first of all, I'll believe that this is going to happen when it actually happens. You don't think it's going to happen? I don't think th- this sounds like one of them things they announced. It's sort of like the movie or Tyler Perry being in it. Both. both. Really? Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, um, Haley Berry bought the rights to the, um, to the broke black girl. Yeah. Like, like 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Still waiting for that too. Okay. But that's Halle Berry. Uh, this is this is not Tyler Perry bought these rights. For the sake of argument, let's say that it actually happens. Okay. I suspect that the financing is contingent on Tyler Perry having an on-screen role. Because and we talk I, I think we've talked about this on on mic if not off mic. It is hilarious to me that white people still don't understand Tyler Perry mm-hmm. and his connection to black people. Mm-hmm. So it's like when he was in the um what was the series? The, the Alex Cross. Yeah. Like they put him in the Alex Cross movie. And I know they just said, well, black people love Tyler Perry. Let's put him in Alex Cross. And it was like, no, black people love Tyler Perry doing Tyler Perry stuff. Mm-hmm. Like we don't just love, like Tyler Perry can't sell like sausages, like Tyler Perry brand turkey sausage. Like we like Tyler Perry doing Tyler Perry stuff. Right. And this sounds like when you named all of the names involved besides Tyler Perry, this sounds to me. Like a room full of white people that don't does. that don't really understand Tyler Perry's relationship with black people. Mm. So they said, and Tyler Perry executive producing. So this is, you know, it seems like a project he's probably interested in. So you know, well, then you got to be in the movie. Well, I don't know. I mean, well, I I see I see Tyler Perry signing on and basically having enough leverage now in Hollywood that he would want to. You know, telling them, "Hey, I'll sign on if y'all make me executive producer, so that I can get a little pe- a little cut of this." Right. I, I, I see that 
playing out more. Uh, I think one of the reasons why they maybe went with Tyler Perry is because there is a little bit of a resemblance between the two. Sure. Uh, um, so I could I could see that, and I could also see that Tyler Perry, um, along the lines with the Alex Cross movies, I, I won't say the Star Trek movies because I think he more did that just for the fun of it. Right, right, right. He's a Star Trek fan, um, but I do could see him trying to make some type of play to be considered more of a serious actor. I don't think his career reflects that at all. I think you just named the two outside Tyler Perry things that he's been in. Well, but no, I think that those are the things outside of his, you know, his wheelhouse or, or his productions that he's been in, but there certainly have been, uh, projects that he starred in of his own, yes. you know, his own vehicles, where you could see him trying to get his his Denzel on in sure. this movie or his, you know, his. But he's terrible, man. Like he's objectively terrible. He's terrible. However, I don't think he. Thinks he's I terrible. think he very much knows he's terrible. He all but he says, knows. "I know I'm terrible, but my people love it." I don't think, and no. I love my people. I don't think he thinks he's terrible. I don't think he thinks he's Denzel, but I don't think he thinks he's I terrible. I think he thinks he's actually terrible, but people love my movies, and I love the people that love my movies. Let's move on. All right. We heard from Robert Monroe Jr. Hey, Robert. Via Facebook. What's up, Robert? He said, I just got home from work, grabbed a beer, sat down to channel surf. BET's showing Tyler Perry's Temptation Confessions of a Marriage Counselor. There it is. That's a good time. I started watching, but I just can't. I just can't. because you're weak, Robert. You're weak. <laughs> you lack steel. In your spine. You should have put that beer down and went and got something a little harder. And then you could have made it through. Yeah. That that's what he really needs to do. Look for something to help me get through Tyler Perry guidance of a marriage. No. Get yourself, Run away. Get yourself Run, Robert. Get yourself a cocktail. Well, want some whiskey. Well, what do you want to mix it with? A piece of ice. Cause it's summertime. And it's refreshing. Run away, Robert. <laughs> Run far away. Click it. Click it, Robert. Tom Laporta hit us up. Hey, what's up, Tom? I love the binge lounge with the sacred cows. Okay. And I want to back up Vince on Wild Wild West. I'm telling you, it's not Smith a bad movie. movie. Another sacred cow for you, however. Ridley Scott still gets to work almost entirely because Alien and Blade Runner were so good. I'm a fan of the Abyss. Yeah, I think Ridley Scott's I'm a, done a, a. I'm a, a big fan of the Abyss. A number of uh, of of good films. The Abyss, Abyss is Abyss is like one of those like cult joints that people like. Really, yeah, I'm a big fan of the Abyss. I think the Abyss was so optimistic by the end that it didn't really catch the zeitgeist of the mm-hmm. moment. Yeah, when everybody was all dark and, and cynical about everything. But I'm a big fan. But I'm not going to argue with him that Ridley Scott has done a bit of coasting in his career. But it's kind of like, you know, I mean, I disagree with you about Francis Ford Coppola and some of those other movies that you listed. But for the sake of argument, if you if you're going to coast them, some damn good movies to coast on. Very true. Very true. I I can't I can't knock you on that one. Um, He he co-signed with you on the Wild Wild West. Yes. I'm, I I like the Wild Wild West. I think it's enjoyable. I think it's, I think it is. I think you made good, really good points. And I did. I don't think it's as clever mm-hmm. 
as men, men black. in black. I don't right. think it's this class. But I do think that the amount that people sort of defecated on it and it's become almost a punchline, mm-hmm. I feel like there's more going on than just the quality of the film. Like, I think Wild Wild West is as good as, I'm trying to think of another kind of 90s, you you know, almost almost sci-fi. Like, like, like it, it was a bunch of stuff in that sort of 90s way. I don't know, because cause, cause the special fiction. effects of Wild Wild West do not hold up either. I mean, the special effects of a lot of stuff don't hold up. Like, I don't think you can really concentrate well, on special effects. Well, that's true, but the, well, that's true. Yeah. Um... Regardless, I'm I'm a fan. Okay, maybe not fan, but I enjoy the enjoy Wild it. Wild West. And like I said, I've always been confused by the level of hatred for it that people have for it. Question though, I I I, I told you how I've often compared us doing the Michelle. Mission. Let me just I'd say real quick. I, I will say this. I think that was the real beginning of the Will Smith backlash. Wild Wild with West. Wild Wild West. Hmm. Wild Wild West came after Men in Black. Right. Like, this was during that period where he started to say, I own the 4th of July. Yeah. And it started to be that kind of low level, and then it kind of got bigger, and now yeah. it's at a crescendo. Like, I'm, I am I submit that the sort of hatred and mockery that Jaden gets it's based off of is that problem. Will Smith backlash in full fruition. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. It could be. So, but go ahead. I mean to cut you off. I wanted to get that in about the backlash. That's cool. Uh, question. I have you. I've I've said before on the show that how I kind of for whatever ever reason I envision us doing this Michelle mission that we are actually like literally riding on a train. Yes, and we're making stops every time we stop to review a, a movie. Right? Yes, much like in the Wild Wild West. Uh. James T. West and Artemis Gordon would ride on a on a train. Yes, across the country, going from adventure to wild spy adventure. Yes, love that TV series. It's I need to get I need to get that show. entire TV series. It's a good show. I really do. It really is. Question for you. Yes. If if we play it forward in this comparison to the Wild Wild West. Yes. Which of us is James West and which of us is Artemis Gordon, the master of disguise? James West was the super spy. He was the star of the story. He I think was you, the wild, I think you'd wild be James West. West. I think so, too. But I didn't want to say There it. you go. <laughs> you were James West. You know, I like stay on the train and come up with some stuff. That means I would get the lady. You would get the ladies. Plural. More than one. <laughs> Yeah, I think you're James West. No, no, you're you, the ladies you, love Vince. You are quietly the ladies. You love are quietly Vince. more of a people person than I am. And I think James West was yeah, but, out with but, the people. Yeah, but ladies like that. They like that mystery. Y- yes, I'm very mysterious. <laughs> when I leave here, I'm going to mysteriously go home and put the baby to bed and go back downstairs and play Fallout on the Xbox. <laughs> Actually, I'm probably going to watch the last episode of Preacher. Oh, you've been watching Preacher? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm not going to say I love Preacher, but I really enjoy Preacher. So I, yeah, I have an uh, mystery. Okay. 
<laughs> I haven't watched Preacher. I just finished with my uh, Little League Trouble with my girlfriend. Um, she had discovered The Killing on Netflix. Remember that when that was on AMC a couple of years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never she, watched it. And I had never watched the second season because okay. I was like, y'all didn't solve the crime? <laughs> Later. Good stuff? Interesting. A very okay. moody show. So I found myself watching that with her. Off mic, I was talking about my niece has been trying to sell me on Beyonce for years, but something she did sell me on. We um we watched Chewing Gum. Chewing Gum is funny. Chewing Gum makes me choke. Yes. That is a funny, funny, funny show. Now then, it was much, much funnier once we turned on the, the um subtitles. Really? Oh, yeah. I couldn't understand what... what I couldn't understand what the hell they were. They're British. I guess they are British, but I could not understand. It was like I was just and they talk too fast. I was saying they talk too fast. Yeah, Yeah, I feel you. So you know, but once I turned the subtitles on, Michaela, Michaela Cole, Michaela Cole, man, yeah, somebody send a boat over to England and get her over here. No. No, let her stay there doing her thing. I want her don't, on our team. Don't let her come over Can't here. Can we trade we, somebody for her? Can we trade Beyonce? See, dude, will you chill with that? Let's trade Beyonce. Would no. you, who would you take, Beyonce or Michaela Cole? I would take Beyonce. Oh, you're so full of it. <laughs> <laughs> you're so full of it. You. you you're so full of it. You Let's get to our review dumb. of school days. <laughs> We welcome our Beyonce overlords.
School Days, a 1988 American musical comedy drama film written and directed by Spike Lee, starring Lawrence Fishburne, Giancarlo Esposito, and Tisha Campbell Martin, based in part on Spike Lee's experiences at Atlanta's Morehouse College, Spelman College, Morris Brown College, and Clark Atlanta University. It is a story about fraternity and sorority members clashing with other students at a historically black college during homecoming weekend. It also touches upon issues of colorism and hair texture bias within the African-American community. This was the second feature film by Spike Lee after She's Gotta Have It. Mm -hmm. It was released in February 12th of 1988 by Columbia Pictures where it received positive reviews for its exploration of issues within the black community. Roger Ebert, famously of the Chicago Sun-Times, noted, there is no doubt in my mind that School Days in its own way is one of the most honest and revealing movies I've ever seen about modern middle class black life in America. They also noted its frank exploration of issues of discrimination within the black community related to skin tone and the nature of hair. He said it was significant as a film with a completely black orientation. All of the characters, good and bad, are black and all of the characters references are to each other. This movie would go on to be the jumping off point for many a hallowed career in Hollywood. Kadeem mm-hmm. Hardison, Daryl M. Bell, and Jasmine Guy, Miss Jasmine Guy would go on to become principal cast members on the Cosby spinoff, A Different World. Uh, other school day cast members also appeared on A Different World, including Dominic Hoffman, Tisha Campbell, Art Evans, what didn't Art Evans star in? I know. And our fa- favorite character actor, Roger Gouverneur Smith. Roger Gouverneur Smith. This movie, which kicks off our school days and featured the international blockbuster music hit, The Butt, by the group EU, is more or less the selection of Vincenzo. Yeah, 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 absolutely. What say you of school well, days? Well, you know, just just to pref, you know, I'm going to do my best. Be objective. You, you know, if you've listened to this show more than once, you know, I'm a huge fan of Spike Lee, mm-hmm. my fa- my favorite director. And I, I'm on record as saying that um, I will take Spike Lee's first five films, really first six films, but, you know, five is a much neater number. And I will put his those films up against anyone's first five films. Hmm. You know, we were talking about Francis Ford Coppola during the Binge Lounge. Um, Godfather was his 10th film. Okay, And, you know, I think a lot of directors kind of find their footing mm-hmm. and Spike Lee never had to find his footing like right out the box. He kind of makes these films. I think Spike Lee has better films than School Days. Right. And, you know, of his first five or six films, I actually think this would be the weakest of the five or six. But that's really, you know, the creme de la creme of them. But. In a lot of ways, this is my favorite Spike Lee film. Like really? this is the film that makes me the happiest when I watch it. I think um, coming off of of She's Got to Have It, Spike Lee had become a bit of a phenomenon. Like you know, She's Got to Have It was this kind of art house hit that then kind of crossed over. By the time School Days had come out. Mars Blackman was a personality. Yes, because of his commercials. Because with, of the uh, commercials Air with Air Jordan, you know, best on Earth, best on Mars. 
you talked about the cast a little bit. Uh, this is Tisha Campbell's first starring role. Mm-hmm. Like she had been in things before, but this is her first starring role. Giancarlo Esposito had been in some movies in mm-hmm. parts here and there, but this is his first real kind of starring role. Yes. Um, uh, Lawrence Fishburne, of course, at this point, is a very accomplished actor. Yes. But, you, you know, he kind of gives this kind of the full thrust. Um, we, we, we talked, you, you mentioned it, but we'll talk about this much more because it's very important. Spike Lee is a son of Morehouse. And at this point, he is one of the, he's a proud son of Morehouse. So as you mentioned, it's filmed on Morehouse's campus and on all the campuses in that little area, at least initially. Yes. So that there's an energy and a vibrancy that I think comes off this thing. I mean, this thing crackles Mm -hmm. with this energy. I think that the performances are fantastic, not only from the leads, but, but, you know, you have these sort of embedded little great performances. You know, Samuel Jackson has a a fantastic scene as a memorable moment. Ozzie Davis has a fantastic scene yes. as the football coach. Yes. Um, you, you know, we talked. You talked about Art Davis, Art Evans. I'm sorry, Art Evans, who plays. Um, he's he's who's he? He's either the president. No, no. Art Evans is the is the head of the board. Yeah. And Joe Seneca plays the president of the camp, and they have two really, really n- nice scenes and scenes that we had never seen before. He juggles a lot of stuff with this film. You know, you mentioned it, colorism, the logistics of a black college, you know, financing a black college, hair issues, black Greek life. And for the most part, he kind of hits all of them. And then smack dab in the middle of it, he drops this just amazing musical number that looks like it could have come out of stormy weather. Like I was saying in my notes, I had forgotten how long Good the and good bad. and bad hair sequence is. Yeah. And again, I think this is a film that really, really holds up, that really, really, again, has this immediacy and has this energy. Having said that, you know, it's not a perfect film. I, I think when we talk about some of the challenges that Spike Lee has had with female characters, this this is a film that is basically exhibit A. Oh boy. Tisha Campbell's character Jane, it 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 is actually disturbing. Yes. Her storyline. Speaking of his storyline, the women are pretty much irrelevant yep. in this film except as being adjacent to the men. You know, we've talked about uh Tisha Campbell. We haven't even mentioned the other female lead, Kim. Oh, that's right. Yeah, one yeah. one named Kim. Rachel and, Meadows. And it who plays Dap's girlfriend, uh Lawrence Fishburne's character's Dap. Plays Rachel. And and she plays Rachel, right. his girlfriend, right. because she serves no purpose in this film but to kind of get Dap upset, to show that Dap is is very much heterosexual, mm-hmm. you, you know, to talk about Dap. But she gets the best end of the bargain because again, th- this th- Rachel's arc is horrifying and you do get the sense rachel's or i'm sorry rachel um jane jane Jane, teacher campbell's Campbell's character character. you get the sense with her with you know a lot of this stuff with fraternities love that spike lee is settling scores like you get the sense that he is thinking about someone in particular and whether that's true or not i don't know but there is a meanness 
to it where it kind of, for me, it crosses the line from I'm depicting something bad to I'm almost reveling in it. Like, like this is sort of, you know, it's appropriate enough. We were talking about Tyler Perry earlier. Like there is this sense that she's being punished for being who she is. And then just logistically, you know, Kim, Kim is all right as an actress. You know, I'm, I'm not mad at her. She's a great singer. But it is criminal how much Tisha Campbell is wasted in this. And, you know, I would argue that that's something that you see in her career. I don't think any project has really utilized Tisha Campbell as well as it should have. Like, in my mind, Tisha Campbell is almost Lucille Ball level talent. I've said it on the show a thousand times. And this is a film that doesn't use that for the most part at all. I do think her two musical numbers are are amazing. Yeah. Like I joke about Jasmine Guy being the most beautiful person on on screen and I maintain that she is, but I get Jane mm-hmm. in the moments when she performs. Like mm-hmm. I understand why. So, I'll start there. Leave it there. Hand it to you. I have not watched this movie since I realized watching it again. That I had not watched the movie. No, I think I did when it was in the movie see it twice. Okay. I seem to remember returning to the movie theaters and seeing it with a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, it was, it was, uh, it came out in 88, which is like prime college time for me. Right. So it was like, I was like, that was right in my wheelhouse. I was like, yeah, gotta yeah. see this joint, you know? And it was, the, it was the energy of, of, of colleges. Now, it and it kind of also resonated with me because I famously um, don't like fraternities. Okay, I I think they're I I just I just don't like fraternities. I'll, okay, I'll just say that. So I kind of like rode with Lawrence Fishburne's character to right, a, right. to a degree in that movie. So uh, I championed for that. But um, having not watched it for so for so long. Um, I did recognize, I did recognize the joy of watching it. You know, mm-hmm. like wow, I remember this movie. Yeah, it's funny line. Yeah, you know, like yo, pass the, you know, um, and then good or bad hair is like you say, it's just like wow, that could have easily been in stormy weather. Right, right. You know, uh, just a, a, an incredible feat. But I came away, I came away from watching this movie this time. Probably thinking along the same lines as you. Uh, one that ooh, Culture Kings is a podcast on the How Stuff Works Network, hosted by comedians Jackie's Neal and Edgar Montplacier. Every Wednesday and Friday, these two friends dive into topics ranging from sports, music to movies, style. They wonder whether or not Donald Glover is a genius or a weirdo. They continuously decipher Kanye West's tweets and behavior. They also have recurring segments like Queen of the Week, The List, and Top Fives like Marvel movies and video games. Listen to Culture Kings and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and find out the best way to eat a taco. Oh, what's the best way to eat a taco, Vince? With your hands? With your hands. Also, with salsa on top of everything to hold the ingredients down. It's like a layer. It's the layer. Right. So that the lettuce doesn't fall off. Can't have falling lettuce.
Spike, Spike, you got some problem with women, man. Yeah. And I want to give you the pass because this is your second film. Like, if, if, if I was watching this now for the first time, and this was only the second Spike Lee movie that I watched, sure. knowing that it's his second film, maybe I'm giving them the pass. Right. You're going to grow. But with these problems are, some of these, these issues are present in Chirac. Yeah, it's just a couple of years. Exactly, old, exactly. Know? So, it it's really, it really is pretty icky how the women and um, I don't I I I'm fairly certain that when I saw it in '88, I wasn't in seeing it from that mindset. Of course not. But however, I do know that in 1988. When I saw this film, I did see the phoniness of going from the scene where Tisha Campbell and Spike Lee basically do the do. Right. Because we're spoiling an 80 year old movie, ladies and gentlemen. Um, You know, Spike Lee and her, you know, have have sex. Right. uh, Under the orders of of of, Julian. Julian. Yeah. Um, you go from that scene to the next time you see her is outside doesn't look I mean it's it's the next right, day and she's in rollers she's and, in rollers and, yeah. and everything and, and I thought that that was a weird juxtaposition because right. the last thing you saw her was like r- literally getting thrown out right by right. Julian because then he breaks up with her which right. you know is, is a savage scene oh my god it's, it's, it's a savage scene it, it, um, yeah so so that whole thing like really hit me hard. Right. Um and just like it made me it, it made me cringe, honestly. Yeah. It did. Yeah, it's cringe worthy. The other thing I was left with when watching this movie, you know, like you say, Lawrence Fishburne, he's a, he's an actor at this point. He had already appeared in Apocalypse Now. Oh yeah, one of the few Cornbread films. Earl and Neat. Yeah, he's 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 made his bones already. And yeah. he's doing good work as more or less the straight guy in this movie. Sure. But this movie is a testament, just like you said, to um, how it should be a testament, a, a, a testament to Hollywood's shame, and how they have underutilized the talents of Tisha Campbell, yeah, and Giancarlo Esposito. Man, because as savage as he is in this movie. And he is savage. You cannot take your eyes off him. It doesn't matter who he is on the screen with. He could be on the screen with Lawrence Fishburne. He could be on the screen with Spike Lee. He could be on the screen. He can be way back in the background of a scene. You cannot take your eyes off of that man and what he is doing in this film. That is a bad, bad Man, and Tisha Campbell, I've said it on this show before, and I will go to my grave saying it. Tisha Campbell may singularly be one of the most talented black performers yeah. in Hollywood today. Absolutely. Because she can she can 
give off a funny line. She can do the drama, and the woman can sing her butt off. Yes, and and, and dance. I'm about to say, and you didn't. They didn't have to hide her in the no, good or bad dance part. She know, was the lead the dance, dancer. She was the lead dancer yes. getting it in there. Yeah, she was getting it in there because your girl Jasmine Guy, who I do like, they they ducked her behind a couple of people a couple of times. Yeah, I know. You I, know I, what I mean? I've, I've actually charted it out. Yeah, exactly where <laughs> she is on that? the stage exactly, at any given moment. Man. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Tisha is high stepping right up front and center, dog. I yeah. am with you every step of the way. I'm giving it. I'm I'm teaching y'all. I would not be surprised if she didn't choreograph that. Thing. Right. Well, you know, she's a stage actress. Like, that's her training. I mean, she is just, that is a woman that is just so, think about it. She's on the role. She's on the screen most of the time, or a lot of the time, with Giancarlo Esposito. And Giancarlo Esposito, he is, he is in it. He yeah. is big brother almighty. You mean Julian? Julian. No, I'm I'm, I'm doing right, a lot of right, 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 right. <laughs> yes. Uh, he he is in there, and but Tisha is with him every step of the way, and you can't say that in any other scene with Giancarlo. Yeah, because I like Lawrence. He eats Lawrence up in this movie. Well, you know, I think you know as a second movie, I think the other thing that has struck me since doing this and looking at it as a second movie, the script sounds very scripted it does but it, Giancarlo Esposito in particular carries it he gets it over yeah he gets and you're right because there are lines of dialogue in this movie that even even Lawrence has trouble getting yeah. getting over the only ones that really do get them over is are Giancarlo mm-hmm. even Tisha trips up on over yeah. some of it and Kadeem Hardison. Kadeem Hardison is a delight. Kadeem Hardison, like every word, no matter how dated the reference may sound or how, you know, stilted the speech might be, it just sounds fine coming out of his mouth. Yeah. Yeah. He's great in this. I actually like Spike Lee in this. Uh, I don't like Spike Lee in this movie. I think Spike Lee, I think Spike Lee plays the Spike Lee role. I like the Spike Lee role in this. Mars Blackman, appropriately enough, is my favorite Spike Lee as Spike Lee role. Mm-hmm. But this is my easily my second favorite. Like, I like him. Do I like him better in this than in Do the Right Thing? Do you like him better? Okay, that's a good question. Do you like him better than this in School Days than I do, do the, right, do the thing, right Thing? Or More Better Blues? More Better Blues, I think, is the weakest Spike Lee as Spike Lee, like Giant. At at by the time he gets to Giant, he's kind of coasting. Okay, I see that. I can see that. I think he shows more range in Do the Right Thing. I mean, he's asked to do more. Well, he's the Do lead. the Right Thing, but Spike Lee, as in the dude in the commercials, the dude who you you know, like Spike Lee, in a lot of ways, is Spike Lee's most marketable product. Mm-hmm. I like Half Pint. Like as as Spike, you know, like the scene where Spike Lee goes and he's trying to get a date, and yeah. and it, and the montage with and you notice one of the women was Cassie Lemons. Yes, I noticed that. I like him. Like I like I like Half Pint. I didn't like Half Pint. Now you didn't like the character. You didn't like the acting. Neither. Neither. Okay. Well, no. The characters. The characters cool. The characters. I mean, you cool. know, he's but the, I, I just I'm just not I. I didn't really care for Spike Lee in this movie. 
I, okay. I, um, and I thought he smartly is not in a lot of the movie. His, his character certainly could have been in a lot more. That may be why I liked him so much, though. Yeah, because he, he, they, they, they duck away from them for, yeah. for, for a good piece of the film. Consider, considering how much, you know, like I said, I hadn't seen this film for so long. And I think like everybody else considers it a musical. It's not a whole lot of music in it. You know what? I've been saying for 30 years that it's been racist to call this a musical. It's actually not a musical. It's not a musical. Like it's that one number. That's that's really musical. That's actually right. Right. Has right. sort of the components of a musical. And then you have a couple of. But you have a, like you have EU, it, you, you have EU, Phyllis Hyman, Phyllis Hyman and, and you have Keith John performing at the the the, um, um, the, the, the homecoming the events. Right, right, right. But, but it's not, so so other than not like Lawrence Fishburne is doing a two step. Right. So other got than to get out of South Africa, you know. <laughs> other than um, the good or bad hair, it's a musical in much the same way that Stormy Weather is a musical. Exactly. Because they basically are performances. It, exactly. But in that way, that's still, if Stormy Weather is a musical then, then this would still be a musical. Well, I don't call Stormy Weather a musical. Well, I do. Yeah. But I, but I, I'm, I still, I'm unsure whether or not I would call this a musical because, like you said, it's maybe three songs. Right, right. You know? Um, good songs. Oh, oh, we're forgetting. We're forgetting. The song by Tisha Campbell and the Girls. Good God Almighty! I can't remember what the. the uh, I don't want to be alone tonight by yes. the Rays. Yes. Yeah. That's a that's a that's a nice song, man. That's a very nice song, man. Very nice song. Very, I, but, but I'm I was struck by that. You know that. Wow. There's this. I guess the reason why I don't call it a musical is because the guys don't have a number. Well, I guess I, their number is the I, the step dancing. Well, I think it's it's kind of interesting again where I understood the Tisha Campbell thing this time. I think it's interesting that the men aren't as and and, and by aren't as they just aren't musical. Yeah. Whereas Kim and Tisha Campbell have this great talent. Mm-hmm. And they get to shine in these in these moments, mm-hmm. and then but but you know they're in a lot of ways they're the most memorable moments. They are. They really are. It, it really is. It's, and I think that going out on a limb here is what resonates with people when they think about how much they love school. Days. I think the, there's a part, and I don't want to be alone tonight, where the women do a double shimmy. Man, when I was seventeen, it 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 made it it would make me dizzy sometimes. Looking at Tisha Campbell in the Rays singing "I Don't Want to Be Alone Tonight." Oh Lord, have mercy! I think that's what resonates with. Don't people. try and pull me out of my moment with the Rays. Go ahead, go ahead. Well, all right, go ahead. You know, so disrespectful. I'm not Go being ahead. disrespectful. A little disrespectful. I'm being respectful to our female fans as you sit there basking in your man moment. I mean, I'm you know. Go ahead. I think that. So those uh, performances, yes, are so captivating. Let's yes, that way. Yes, that you forget the mind forgets that ickiness at the end. Because that ickiness at the end is really icky. 
And yeah. it's even more so for me. And I, it's even more so for me because then the movie just stops. Right, right. Well, there are a couple. There are a couple of plots that kind of fall out of. Like, whatever happened with the divestment? Nothing. Like they they threaten Dap with expelling him, and then that just sort of goes away. Yeah. But I think in a lot of ways that has been Spike Spike Lee. Oftentimes, doesn't nail the ending. He doesn't nail the ending, and I think that's because he doesn't write a complete story. There are, there are thoughts, right. there are ideas, there are scenes. And there's not an arc. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I think like some of his best movies have an arc to it based on one character. Right. You know, uh, do the right thing. Do the right You've thing. You've got Mookie like, taking you through everything. Right, 25th Hour. Which I think has the best Spike Lee ending of Spike Lee movies. Malcolm X is the story of Malcolm, Malcolm X, X, but obviously he had a plot. Well, exactly. You, you, know. you know, he had a beginning and an end. Right, right. He had actual story. Uh, Mo Better Blues. Mo Better Blues. And an end. You know, that, but then there are other movies where it's just he's got these thoughts. Yeah. He's got these ideas that he wants. Because, like we, we've said, you know, Spike Lee can get up on his soapbox and yeah. he throws the things up against the wall. And see see where they land. You probably forgive it in in his second film, and you also forgive it in nineteen nineteen eighty eight because this was at the time where people were feeling, you know, um, especially proud, pro black. You know, going to sure. historic black. It was like a black renaissance in, in TV with the Cos, you know, Cosby yeah. coming and all that other type of stuff. Um, uh, and it had been a long time since a movie with this urgency speaking of these these issues from a young point of view right. and an unapologetically black one unapologetically black now, you know i you think know. You, you know i do think one of the um critiques that i've heard over the years mm-hmm. is that it's an insular movie yeah like i've heard you know white critics you know they don't understand the logistics of black colleges they don't understand the issues with colorism Mm -hmm. they don't understand the issues with hair they don't understand black the black greek system right like there's so many just plot elements to this that that is sort of culturally specific and 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 I think for us, when we were in the culture, we love that. You know, we love that. And but you know, I think the energy makes it work. Like I said, you, you know, I, I will say yesterday it was my favorite Spike Lee movie, and today I would say it's my favorite Spike Lee movie. But I'm a little ashamed of that. Really? Like you know, it is a type of thing we, we've talked before about. You know, it's almost like. I was thinking it's almost like Mickey Rooney in Breakfast with Tiffany's. Okay. But it's not even that bad. Like I know no, like no, like not. for me Mickey Rooney in Breakfast at Tiffany's is a deal breaker. Yes. Like I don't even watch Breakfast at Tiffany's because of Mickey Rooney. Exactly. Me neither. And I know people And for those who don't know the the story of Mickey Rooney, you know, famously from the the Judy Garland movies and the Andy Hardy movies, uh white actor, uh plays a Asian man. Um, in British uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's, and he is—I mean, he's over stereotypically. Just it, it, like even at the moment, it was horrifying. Yes, and th- we're talking what? Yeah. That's nineteen sixty-three, yeah. something like that. But that's yeah. a deal breaker for me. Yeah, yeah. So I have met people over the years 
that talk about how the women in Spike Lee's films are deal breakers. Mm-hmm. And I can completely see how Jane is a deal breaker. Yeah. Like it's one thing for Rachel doesn't have a storyline and, and she's just sort of there as adjacent to him. And, you know, she kind of, you know, and like the one really super interesting thing that she says where she challenges him and says, you know, I always wondered, are you only dating me because I'm one of the darker sisters and I fit into your whole mode? Right. Is never followed up on. No, not at all. But again, there's a real nastiness that comes out with Jane so that, you know, I'm not going to front. I still love school days. I was still a little sad when it came. Like, you know, I've joked before that when the credits roll and the music is playing, it makes me sad because mm-hmm. I love it so much. But I think this is the first time that I was a little ashamed of myself that this mm-hmm. is my favorite movie. Like, right. like I feel like I should do better, but you know, I think you, you have these, you, it's it's you've got these wonderful performances and you you know you mentioned it before this is where i met roger gouverneur smith where he's online um uh you, you know i think you, you know I'm, I'm getting it mixed you know either different world had come on or it was about to come on i think it hadn't come on just but it was it yet. was all in that same kind of moment but yeah. certainly as you said kadeem hardison um daryl bell uh, Jasmine Guy, all of them in this moment. Did you see AJ Johnson? Yes, I did. AJ Johnson is in this. Our girl, who our girl, we were just talking about from um from um Baby Boy, not Baby Boy from oh what, from Poetic it, Justice from Poetic Justice. Yeah, um, the mother, uh, the, the the she was one of the gamma. The, yeah, she was one of the gamma. She's one of the gamma rays. Yeah, uh, Rusty Kudoff. Yeah, Rusty Kudoff is is one of the bro- like there. But so is James Bond the third. So, well, James Bond the third is, and I like James Bond the third. Like I actually love but, yeah, like as bad as, as bad as as badly as they do with the women. Mm-hmm. I love the male friendship in this. Like I actually love the fellas. Like my favorite scene in the film is probably after they've been challenged by Samuel Jackson about their privileges, college students, and their relationship with the locals. And right. then they're in a car on the way home. I love the conversation that they have. I love the the challenge that the one character gives Dap about, you know, the limits of my activism because I'm here for other people. Like he said, you know, my parent my parents and everybody. And I love the fact that we had something where these conversations that had been happening were on screen. Yeah. I did I, I like that too. And and like again, unfortunately, it's it, it's probably 2017 sensibilities, but it struck me that you don't have conversations um, on even close to as uh, that level of deafness between the women. The women are all coming at each other for sure. their appearances, you know, and, and stuff like that. I mean, yes, in in some degree, the coming at each other for their appearances is code for coming at them for light or dark skin. Right. But you can't even really play that but, but so much because they're, when you, once you see the two camps, there's some light skins that got the natural hair and there's some right, darker right. skins like Tyra, Tyra Farrell. Tyra who, who Farrell was one of the gamma rays. Yeah. You know, she's one of the gamma rays. She's one of the gamma rays. You know? yeah. uh, and she's a dark skinned woman. Yeah. You know? With um, a ridiculous weave. 
very ridiculous. <laughs> they ball guys. Yeah. Boy, man, they was those weeds was feathered like a mug. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It yeah. was, cra- but it's 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 crazy as that fashion was. Again, going back to '88 and and this being the time when I was in prime college time, and all, and also being because I was in college time. This is a time when you know. It, Anyone that's going to college, you know, they're throwing credit cards at you left and right. Oh, my God. So I had mad credit cards. How many so, years did it take to clean that mess up? Uh, yes. Well, anyway, uh, <laughs> oh, I've got to pay that bill. Um, <laughs> that, uh, but at that time, you know, you could not tell me that I did not have an Adidas contract. Man. Because Everything I had was Adidas. And, and remember was, the sweatshirts that I with had all the, yeah. every single solid Terry. Yeah. There is not one you can name that I did not have. They were including beautiful sweatshirts. Including all three of the commemorative Run DMC ones. They were beautiful sweatshirts. I had them all, dog, because yeah. I had a credit card. Yeah. And then I watched this movie, and I'm not liking fraternities, and I'm seeing this Gamma Phi Gamma, that, and then they turn around, and I was like, they got Adidas yeah. on it. So, oh, I actually my. looked for that sweatshirt for years. Everybody yeah, that was a beautiful sweatshirt. They never released it. They, oh, I know they never, they never yeah, released they never it. Released but they it. put out some collegiate type yeah. looking. Genre. Here's here's a bet talking about the Spike Lee uh, paraphernalia. There's a scene where where they have on the Black Mission T-shirts, mm-hmm. and I went to college with people who were from Brooklyn, so I knew people who were in the the butt video, right? And I knew people who were extras, so they had like those shirts. Oh, okay. And I, I hated them so much. <laughs> I hated them so. But you know, like you said, it it was a movement. It was man. like we were all rotten with Spike Lee. We were yeah, all man. supporting them. We all loved them. And and he did make you want to go to a black. I mean, I was going to Penn State at the time. Right, right, right. But he he made me almost ashamed to be going to Penn I State. I mean, you know, you know, I think and and I think it's worth noting that you you know Spike Lee famously began filming on Morehouse's. Actually, it's called Mission because he utilized a lot of Morehouse's stuff. Right. So all of that stuff with M's on it, that's burgundy, is actually Morehouse stuff. Mm-hmm. And but then he got kicked off campus because they started to get wind of how he was depicting colleges and and all of the storyline about, you know, black people don't support black colleges and the federal government has to do it. And the philanthropists and in many ways, our schools are beholden to these people because they hold the purse strings. That's right. Got Spike Lee kicked off and he had to finish at Morris Brown, which is part of that collective. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's, it's not his alma mater. This is why when I watched um, recently just released on on uh, Netflix, the series, mm-hmm. Dear White People. Yeah. This the movie itself, the movie of, of which the, that series is based off of itself brought school days to mind of course um, because of a, a lot of the same you know topics we, and he wore a lot of of his his influences on his sleeve yeah like i think certainly. he very much wanted you to think of school days well, certainly but i think that i think that the writing in the movie and certainly in the series that is allowed to you know because it's got more room they're allowed to expound on sure. a, lot of, a lot of those 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 thoughts and conversations is um, so much more sharper, of course, and and uh, 
has a point of view. Like with Spike, and I I do think that Spike definitely has a point of view in his head. Yeah. But I find that sometimes in his movies, instead of making putting forth his point of view, he's just putting forth putting forth like the headline. Of what the comp of of what's going on? Well, in his defense, I, I think comparing something like "Dear White People" to this, I mean, I don't, I don't think Justin Simeon would would argue like like I think people have been studying School Days. Okay, fair for enough. For thirty years, and, and you know, and admittedly, like you know said, what he got right, film. what he got wrong, what I would do differently, mm-hmm. and then so you, you know, and then the other part of it is, you know, I get the feeling, and it, and it goes back to the first thing I said about the joy in this thing like I got the feeling that Spike Lee almost couldn't believe that this was happening like that I had this opportunity to do all this yeah. and that like I really do think in a lot of ways there's post do the right thing pre do the I mean obviously because there's only two movies before do the right thing but you know if you acknowledge that do the right thing is his masterpiece mm-hmm. this is the moment when he kind of almost says I've, I've done it yeah like like i've done it and you know school days it's almost like like you remember being a kid and like first you had the box with the eight crayons and then you, you know you fooled around and like the next year and your parents broke you off with the 64 joint right and you just use all the crayons for like the first two weeks because mm-hmm. you had all these crayons that's what i get from school days like somebody handed spike lee that box of crayons with 64 crayons in it and he just used all of them. Just let me use all the crayons. And then when he gets to do the right thing, he calms down a little bit. And he's okay. like, okay, I'm going to use the gold as a flourish. Right. As opposed to had a man, Mr. Gold, who wears a gold shirt. Right. And he got gold. And, you know, but but I think I, I agree with you. I think that there are attributes to his filmmaking, weaknesses dare you say that have carried through that you know you can't just say this is his second movie if you see the same pattern again and again and again you know these issues with women these issues with sort of focus Mm -hmm. a lot of times but you know the other thing I will point out about this film is that the musical performances it's breathtaking as they are Phyllis Hyman oh my god it's almost like uh, heartbreaking to see her yeah uh, like it on the screen, um, a, a forgotten voice in R and B, and another another person that was you know not as heralded as she deserved. Yeah, to true. Be. Um, but watching it, it's, as great as the film was, I couldn't help but listen to the score, which is by Bill Lee. Yes, uh, Spike Lee's father. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and also whose um, music. Um, opens the Michelle mission yes. every week. This, and I have to see she's got to have it again to, to be certain it's, it's not necessarily the same and she's got to have it, but I don't think it is. This film is when I stopped being a fan of Bill Lee. Wow. As a, as a, as a music composer. Not as a musician. Okay. Because I think his music is beautiful. Okay, and it has energy and it pops and it's 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 like it's hot. It's some great great music, but I think as a composer, okay, he's 
not good because I honestly don't feel that his music fits the scenes. Wow. That they that they're used in. No uh, also I don't feel that they're mixed well. I I think I I've said it before. I think his music rides on top of the scene too much and be, to the mm. point of distraction at least for me. And I don't think it and I don't think that it does anything to add to the vibe of the scene that they're in. Oh, very, very few times have I. I agree. See that. That it sometimes it rides over the scene. And I think that's something I've picked up just talking to you. But as far as not being appropriate for the scene, I don't even know if I can objectively speak to that because it's all so wrapped up together. Really? Like I've, see, let me, look, I've watched School Days Probably okay. thirty times. All right. So think about the music that plays. I can't separate them. Like if you took the music out and you just showed the scene, I would hear the music. Like if you played the music, I could tell you what scene the music is from. Okay. Well, then that's disturbing. Yeah. Because the music that is playing on the scene over the scene where Spike Lee and Tisha Campbell are in the bedroom. Yeah. And she is crying. Yeah. It's criminally inappropriate for that. I'm not saying it has to be some right. mournful music well, or anything like that, but it does nothing but for see, the scene. I think that is part of the ickiness. And I will say this I don't think Tisha Campbell is given as much to do as her talent warrants. Yeah. But okay, I think that enough. moment, she really gets across just how horrifying this is. And I think that's all Tisha Campbell. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that's the script. I don't think that's Spike Lee directing. I think because even even the, the logistics of what happens in the room, right. where where the first thing that Half Pint says is, we don't have to do this. And then she says, shut up and take your clothes off, where the script lets him off the hook. Right. Because now she has, you know, in this moment, become the aggressor. Right. And then the scene stops. I think that's what Spike Lee meant to do. So whereas we would say it's inappropriate for the scene, I would say, yeah, but I think the director would disagree with us. Like well, he thought I think, well, I think he would disagree with us. I think that goes without being said. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think you and I are saying anything about Jane Toussaint and school days that Spike Lee hasn't been hearing for 30 years. Like, this is very much not a surprise. And, and I, you know, I think the, the, the irony about Spike Lee and women is that I maintain that Nola Darling is one of the most radical depictions of black women and black sexuality ever. That's the lead character. The from lead She's character from it. She's Gotta Have It, which is his first film. Right. And then it just goes left. Left. You yeah. know? So, you know, but school days. So I, I take it you would still recommend it. I would recommend it, but like I said, I think it, it's, I, I forget what we were talking about a few weeks ago. I would recommend it, but I don't, I would stand down if someone told me that Jane was a deal breaker. Yeah. You know, again, back to um, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Like, Breakfast at Tiffany's is a fantastic movie. Like, I don't think anyone would argue that this is an amazing movie, but that one character that one aspect of it is is a deal breaker. Like, mm. I'm not doing that. So, I think this is the first time I watched it that I said I can, but yeah, I, I do. I love School Days. 
I love school days. I think I would still re- recommend it for the time capsule that it is. Yeah. Um, and uh, I also would recommend it because even watching it with 2017 eyes, I think that could lead to very interesting conversation. Yeah. You and know? the performances. And and the performances. You know, not even just – like we haven't even mentioned Bill Nunn. No, we haven't. As Grady. We haven't. And, and you know, he has this wonderful – like, you know, when, when they tell him you're up <laughs> and he gets to act like oh, – Grady is fantastic. Yeah, with the girl, and you know, you know what I, you know what I thought about when I saw you, collard greens and cornbread, and Wilson picking. I ain't even gonna lie. <laughs> Grady kicking his game is joy. It is just pure joy. And then you know, again, Giancarlo Esposito is is you. You can't take your eyes off of him. No, you can't. So, so I would definitely recommend uh, this film. But don't take our word for it, ladies and gentlemen, because we are in the midst of school days you're listening to this review yeah either on itunes and soundclouds which means that you're listening to the full gamut of the podcast yeah or you're listening to this on wppmlp 106.5 fm on your philadelphia and camden radio dial which means that you're listening to just an hour of the insanity which means i don't know why you're not downloading and subscribing to the podcast by going to michelle mission Dot com. Why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you do that? And once you do that, you need to make your way down to Amalgam Comics on Saturday. Saturday, July 15th for the 5th Annual Philadelphia Podcast Festival. Yes. Where at 3 o'clock, Vince and I, the show mission, will be presenting School Dazzle. School Dazzle. Vince has come up with some very interesting, very fun uh, school days trivia games that we're going to play with everyone. We've got some scripts from some of the more famous scenes that we're going to act out. And yes, we have first, second, and third place prizes that we actually just bought that are like, yo, I want First place is a Cadillac. Second place is a set of knobs. Third place is you're fired. And if you come up to us at <laughs> at Amalgam Comics and Coffee House on Saturday, July 15th, first one to tell us what movie that quote was from wins an Amalgam mug. There you go. Boom. And we'll decide whether or not you can have coffee in it. Because coffee is for closers. All right, that's enough. That's enough. That's enough. That's enough. You're giving them too much. Can't tell them what my name. I guess I can't tell them what my name is. No, don't tell. No, no, don't tell me your name. Um, or that my watch costs more than their car. I can't say that either. Enough. All Vince. right. Enough. You are a shithead. Um. <laughs> um we uh, uh, so that's going down at three o'clock at uh, Malcolm Comics as part of the Philadelphia Podcast Festival, ladies and gentlemen. But it's not over. No, it is not. There's because more. Because at eight thirty p.m. after the doors shut at Amalgams, Amalgams t- Comics and Coffee House turns into Amalgam After Dark, right. and Amalgam After Dark on July fifteenth will be featuring a movie screening. Wow! Of School Days. Which you could be a part of 
you can come, you can pay what you want at the door, and it's BYOB. All right. What more do you need to know? No, that's that's a lot right there. That's a lot right there. So we want to see you because school is school days. This is just day one of school days, a celebration of Spike Lee's school days. All right. All right. Each and every one of our shows, as you maybe know, is available <laughs> on Michelle Mission dot com as well as available for your download streaming pleasure on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Tune In, as well as part of the CLSN Podcast Network. And now, once again, due to popular demand, we are once again a part of the Black Tribbles All Podcast right. Network. Do you know how many people have come up to me saying, like, yo, man, like Why'd you take Michelle Mission off Black Tribbles? Yeah, y'all can go to MichelleMission.com and and subscribe. Yeah, but why'd you take it off of the Black Tribbles? Yes, podcast? yes, yes, yes. Okay, so it will. We are once again all right of the Black Tribbles Podcast Network. Reunited and it feels so good. <laughs> next week on the Michelle Mission. Oh yeah, what's next week? We're finally. Finally, getting to fast forward. <laughs> Sydney Portier's magnum oh, opus. boy. About dancing. About dancers, a group of plucky multiracial teens from Ohio coming to the big city yes. to make it happen. It's Sydney Poitier and the Little Rascals, ladies and gentlemen, in Fast Forward next week. Or as I call it, Beat It, the movie. <laughs> yeah, let's beat it out of here. Um, <laughs> I'm Vince. <laughs> no, I'm not. No. I'm Len. <laughs> He's Vince. She's Jasmine Carroll, our new social media guru. Yes. Sitting over there taking pictures and uploading on, onto uh Instagram and such. What's up, Jazz? Hey. Thanks for joining the squad. In uh, parting, we say. We'll see you when it's time to meet again. You got so much grease up there Give us that a weed that you wear Well, you got Well, you got cars, standing all over your head.
Your hair ain't no longer then So you'll never fling it all back You afraid to walk in the rain Oh, what a shame we used to blame it Don't you ever worry about that Cause I don't mind being black Go with your old mixed up head I ain't ever gonna be afraid Well, you got 